This is a BBP News election update. Kentucky residents went to the polls this week and voted in the primaries. The governor was not up for re-election. In the House were key races in District 3. The Democratic candidate that made it through the primaries was Morgan McGarvey. And for the Republican Party, we have Stuart Ray, but that has not been called yet. In the Senate, for a Democrat that made it through the primaries, we have Charles Booker. And the Republican is current sitting Senator Rand Paul. In Oregon, the governor has reached their term limit, so there will be a new governor this year. For Democrat, there is Tina Kotak and Republican Christine Drazen. In the House, there is in District 4, there's going to be a new representative. For the Democrat, there's Vale Hawley. Republican, there's Alex Garlados. And in the Senate, current Democrat Ron Wyden and Republican Joe Ray Perkins. That has not been called for him, but he is in the lead currently. And then in Pennsylvania, the governor has reached their term limit, so there's a race there. For the Democrat, we have Josh Shapiro, and for the Republican, we have Douglas Mastriano. For representatives, we have District 17, where the Democratic candidate is Chris Deluzio, and the Republican candidate is Jeremy Schaffer. And the 18th district has been removed due to redistricting, so the state is now down to 17 districts. In the Senate, we have a race going on to replace the seat of current Senator Pat Toomey. The Democratic candidate for that is John Fetterman. And the Republican candidate is currently Dr. Mehmet Oz, but a recount of those votes is likely with the race being so close at this time. In North Carolina, the governor is not up for re-election this year, but in the House of Representatives, there are a few new seats opening. For the first district, there's Democrat Don Davis and Republican Sandy Smith. In the 4th District, there's Valerie Fushit and Republican Courtney Gales. In the 11th District, there's Democrat Jasmine Beat Ferreira. And the current Republican, Madison Cawthorn, lost his seat to Chuck Edwards. And in the 13th District, Democrat Willie Nickel and Republican Bo Hines. And in the Senate, Richard Burr is retiring this year, so Republican Ted Budd or Democrat Chen Beasley. And finally, we have Idaho, where the governor is up for election. Brad Little, the Republican, did make it through the primaries. He is also the current sitting governor. And then the Democratic candidate is Stephen Height. For representatives, there are no key races to call out in the Senate. We have a race for the seat of Republican Mike Crapo. He did make it through the primary, so he's the Republican candidate, with the Democratic candidate being David Roth at this time, but that race has not been called yet. This has been a BBP News election update. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod. Chris Baker is here with me. We are back for another Friday morning episode. Chris, start us off in the normal Friday morning fashion by giving us the weather headed into this weekend. 
In Los Angeles, California, it is partly cloudy of a high of 68 degrees and a partly cloudy weekend. In Houston, Texas, it is cloudy today with a high of 92 degrees and thunderstorms moving in for Sunday. In Chicago, Illinois, it is raining today with a high of 85 degrees with more rain throughout the weekend. And in New York City, today it is partly cloudy, 71 degrees and with a partly cloudy weekend with raining in Sunday night. Oh, fun. More rain. You know, we've been getting some rain lately. Rain, rain, go away. <laughs> you know, it was actually to the point on Monday, late, kind of later Monday afternoon, that our power actually went out because of the storm that came through. There were branches down all over the place. So, you know, actually kind of a decent storm. I'd say the first decent storm we've had so far. I don't like it. I just, you know, this weekend is supposed to be in the 90s, dip right back down. Just either pick high temps or nice weather. It it has been kind of erratic, but, you know, it's it's as I always say. That's what we get for living here in New York. It's never steady. It's never just even. You're jumping all around at this point in the year. Well, Nick, uh, the Social Security Administration released the top 10 most popular baby names for boys and girls Ooh, in uh, 2021 i always love and, this. Uh, you know from the looks at this parents were not taking many chances with baby names last year mm, um okay they're they're all pretty traditional if you ask me they did give a list of unique names that are gaining the list but uh the, the top 10 mm-hmm. male names are number one is liam oh that's right noah yep, yep. Oliver, mm-hmm. Eli, okay, James, okay, William, mm-hmm. Benjamin, all right, Lucas, all right, Henry, and number ten, Theodore. Huh. You know, there's some interesting. Okay, so here's the thing, right? I love looking at popular baby names. I don't know what it is, but every now and again, every few months or so, I'll go. And look at a list of like the top 50 for both boys and girls just to see, you know, what names are circulating a lot right now. Like what names are going around a lot right now. And it's just kind of fun to watch them change and to see certain names go up and certain names go down. Nick, are you trying to tell us you want a baby? Uh, not for a while yet. Uh, okay. Yeah, I no. just had to check. Yeah, no, um, we, we can wait on that. But <laughs> Top 10 female names are Olivia's number one. Yep. Emma, mm-hmm. Charlotte, Amelia, Ava, Sophia, Isabella, Mia, Evelyn, and number 10, Harper. There are some interesting names, and I always see this. Like, There are some definitely some interesting names that fall on both lists. So I look more at the... Harper the, and Theodore. I don't know why. But yeah, I, I look more at the uh, guy side, because like, you still have names like James and William, which, you know, are classics for years and years now. Uh, They really never seem to fall out of popularity. Then you have, like, Eli and Theodore. Evelyn's an interesting one to look at. Um, And, yeah, just some interesting names that you wouldn't expect to still be around very much. Still carrying some weight there. Um, And then they... Came out with a list of most popular, or not most popular, but unique names that are gaining popularity. Okay, this should be interesting. 
Now, the list goes on and on and on, so I'm only just going to give you 10. Yeah. For male, the number one catching on um, from 2020 to 2021, Amiri. Huh. All right. Elium, number two. Number three, Coulter. Number four, Ozzy. Number five, Loyal. (laughs) Number six, Kai. Seven, Evander. Eight, Camellio. (laughs) Number nine, Mac. And number 10, Jariah. And, you know, I was only going to tell you top 10, but Mm -hmm. number 11, Banks. Banks. Huh. There, yeah, I mean, there are definitely some interesting ones in there. Kai is one I've been seeing a lot lately. Um, Another interesting one as I'm scrolling down through the list is books. Okay. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's definitely an interesting one. Um, For female gaining popularity, number one is Rhea. Number two is Renly. Number three, Angelique. Number four, Vita. Number five, Emberlin. Number six, Flora. Number seven, Murphy. Number eight, Arleth. Number nine, Ocean. And number ten, Oakley. Huh. Okay, Oakley, I'm actually surprised that's a little further down the list because I feel like that name's not common, but I've heard it before. A lot more so than a lot of these other names above it. You know, I like the simple names like Nick, Chris, Bob, Bill, Sam, <laughs> Don, Joe. Like, keep it simple. <laughs> you know, I'm all for getting unique with names. Like, that's fine. Some of them definitely work better than others. <laughs> I'll just say that. Uh, I won't go any further than that. But th- there are definitely some names that work a lot better than others. And y- y- you can see it through this list for sure but yeah there's interesting names there's you know the popular ones i thought that was very interesting so i had to talk about it but uh, we got some news to get into speaking of babies we got a baby formula update um there has been a deal between the fda and abbott the largest baby food producer they announced earlier this week they are at a consent agreement and the plant has been shut down since february abbott and the fda agreed that abbott must meet several benchmarks and resume production in michigan after the court signs off on the deal abbott needs to meet those requirements if they do the fda will give them the green light to start production Abbott says they could be up and running in six weeks after the green light from the FDA and will begin production on Elacare, Elementum, and other metabolic formulas. Now, when it comes to the production of Similac and others, from the time Abbott restarts production to the time that formula shows up on the shelves, it could be anywhere from six to eight weeks. To try and keep up with demand, Abbott says they have shipped millions of cans of powder to the U.S. from its FDA-cleared facility in Ireland. It has concentrated its Ohio and Arizona facilities to produce baby formula as well. The FDA says it is working on clearing the way to import additional baby formula from our trading partners in Mexico, Chile, and the Netherlands. 
Abbott says they have taken several steps to correct things at the Michigan plant and upgrade its facility and safety protocols after the FDA says it did not have proper sanitary protocols. The White House just took a huge step to solve the baby food shortage the president announced. He has invoked the Defense Production Act to ensure that baby manufacturers have what they need to make baby formula. This order will require American suppliers to direct any needed resources to infant formula manufacturers before any other customer may have ordered those same ingredients or goods. Baby formula will not just magically appear. It takes time to produce. So in the meantime, the president has also ordered the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Agriculture to use the Department of Defense commercial aircraft to go to our trading partners overseas and pick up the formula and bring it back as long as it meets the FDA standards we have set. The White House says this will cut out the work for trading and speed the process up. There was no time frame for when Americans will start seeing the changes. The Department of Homeland Security is bracing for and warning law enforcement across the country of potential for political violence after the official ruling on abortions from the Supreme Court is announced in the next few weeks. Threats, according to the Department of Homeland Security, is coming from both sides of the aisle, and law enforcement agencies have been seeing an uptick of social media chatter and threats since the leak of the draft opinion. We are talking about threats to Supreme Court justices, their clerks, lawmakers, as well as lawful demonstrators placed at places of worship and Planned Parenthood. The bulletin from Homeland Security says these threats are likely to persist and may increase in the time before and after the ruling is made. You might be wondering where are these threats coming from? The Department of Homeland Security says these threats are coming from normally anti-abortion extremists, but now the threats may also be coming from abortion rights activist groups. As of early February, the DHS issued a bulletin saying that the U.S. remains in a high-threat environment, fueled by several things, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives or conspiracy theories and other forms of misinformation put out by domestic and international people that want to make worse friction than what we already have in our society and to undermine public trust in governmental institutions. Since January of 2021, Homeland Security has done several things to try and prevent these types of violent activities from happening, including stepping up intelligence gathering, providing communities with resources to prevent people from becoming radicalized, grant funding to prevent, prepare, protect, and respond nationwide, and millions of dollars spent to harden targets and make other security upgrades throughout the country. The DHS also announced Wednesday that they are now providing 24-7 security for the Supreme Court justices. Misinformation is a real problem in this country and the government formed a new disinformation board to try and deal with it. For at least a decade, the U.S. government has been looking into and combating misinformation. 
Homeland Security does it, the FBI does it, and this is not a new idea, but the disinformation board is. Homeland Security says it is a working group under no jurisdiction, and it was announced this week, but was in the works for several months. And the advisory board, like I said, has no jurisdiction, power, or any other authority of any kind. And the woman selected to head the board is Nina Jankowitz. And she is an author and communication specialist. And the Department of Homeland Security says the department focused on it for years in countering misinformation coming from China, Russia, and Iran. As well as misinformation from human smugglers targeting immigrants coming into the United States. They say this board will help form best practices to accomplish these goals. DHS collects information through publicly available sources, research conducted through academic and other resources, shared by other federal agencies and partners. DHS has said several times that they do not monitor U.S. citizens. Lawmakers came out swinging with this whole thing and are essentially very upset over the work and are worried about the implications to free speech and privacy rights. They are also upset about the selection of the board president, Jankowitz, saying she is way too partisan to be holding that position. In a response, the DHS said, quote, they are deeply committed to doing all of its work in a way that protects Americans, freedom of speech, civil rights, civil liberties, and privacy rights, end quote. The statement goes on to say, quote, The board's explicit goal of ensuring these protections are inherently incorporated and that it is rigorously safeguarded. Safeguards are in place, end quote. Later in the week, the DHS shut down the board and fired Jankowitz. We have new information this week from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen regarding stagflation and how it is affecting our economy right now. First, you need to know what stagflation is. It is a general term that means slow economic growth or economic stagflation. It is simply an economic event where the inflation rate is high and the economic growth rate starts to slow down and unemployment remains high. The actions we would need to take to lower inflation would increase unemployment and the policy to decrease unemployment would increase inflation. It is a vicious cycle. The part that is interesting is the phase we are in right now is we have near record low unemployment, but we are seeing extremely high inflation and that does not seem to be coming down and a slight decline in our growth domestic product. There are several reasons why stagflation happens, but the biggest is supply shock like we are seeing with the global oil policy. The theory here is that when supply goes up, that reduces an economy's ability to produce and we become stuck in their stagflation. Poor economic policy can cause stagflation with harsh regulations over goods and labors and an economy that is already dealing with high inflation. The Treasury Secretary on Wednesday warned that the world is experiencing stagnation effects and it may continue for the next few months. 
This is not just happening in the U.S., but all around the world. Secretary Yellen says Americans should not expect immediate relief from high gas prices and food and energy prices will continue to be high. But she stresses that she does not expect the U.S. economy to go into a recession, even though CEOs and economists say the opposite and say that we will see one by 2023. We had stagflation back in the 1970s, and there really isn't any cure for it. But Yellen said that the world is working to increase the supply and provide long-term relief from gas prices. Critics say this is happening because the Fed waited too long to raise interest rates. They say the Fed should have done this a very long time ago. Getting into rapid news, stocks had their worst day in two years on Wednesday after a huge sell-off prompted by major retailers announcing a drop in profit, including Lowe's, Walmart, and Target. Hospitals are reporting being low on contrast material, a fluid that is injected into patients intravenously to make CT scans and MRIs readable. It also allows doctors to identify clots in the heart and brain. Nick, what do you got for this Friday morning good news? All right, so my story for today takes place in Canada, and it is really just a perfect example of, you know, just... A town trying to come back together after all the COVID shutdowns over the past couple of years and like all the separation that that caused. So the town in question is called Miramichi, New Brunswick. And overall, it's, it's one of those towns that's known for its like legends of being haunted and, you know, high murder rates and things like that. Uh, you know, high murder rates in the past causing all these, you know, spirits and supernatural occurrences, things like that. And Chris, I don't know if you noticed this, but last Friday was Friday the 13th. And okay. so for a while, <laughs> and so for a while, there was someone that no one really knew who he was. He never gave his real name. He really, he never revealed his actual identity uh, that was setting up an event on Facebook and through Facebook to set up basically a hunt for prizes. And across the board, there were over $1,000 worth of prizes given out and found. Um, and there were, like, hunts in the forest for these prizes with, you know, scary noises and things like that. Uh, you know, there was, like, an ultimate prize hidden down by the harbor. And really, it was a way for people to reconnect, uh, you know, there were a lot of people saying that there were smiling faces everywhere, adults, children, everyone's, everyone was making friends with everyone. It was great for businesses. There was a lot of, you know, booming business activity going on and just a lot of other activities outside of this. So it was just one little like idea, a little spooky idea uh, ended up bringing an entire town together. 17,000 people came together for this. 7,000 people for, like, a mystery scavenger hunt. I'm kind of jealous. I wish I was in Canada to do that. <laughs> it sounds so awesome. Just an entire town, you know? 17,000 like really people. Neat. Yeah, yeah. This like an interesting idea. I really like it. This is like a haunted house boosted up about, you know, 2,000%, 2, 2, you know? Like, right. 
That's a really cool good news story. That is the end of this Friday morning news episode. Make sure you come back Sunday morning for what to expect for the week of May 22nd. I can't believe it. We are in the final week of May. It's insane how fast it goes. <laughs> yeah. Whew. <laughs> but make sure you follow us on Twitter at BBP News for the latest 24-hour breaking news so you are always in the know. Until Sunday morning, have a great start to your weekend, everybody. Bye, guys.